Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. Good morning. Happy Monday. How you doing? I'm doing. How are you? We're good. We both had a grueling weekends, so to speak, like in terms of physically gru- grueling weekends. Well, at least for you, me. You really want to describe a 5K as grueling? No, for me, it's not. I wasn't. Well, the thing is that I did stupid things during the 5K that made it grueling, falling over the finish line, one of them. You know, you you saw the Sapruder film on that, on that, um, on that, uh, finished that i thought my nephew had clipped my uh clipped my heel maybe yeah fall. no it didn't it no. wasn't, we're about a foot apart yeah but the what about drafting no it wasn't drafting no. that made me fall no it was just stupidity it was just bad form it was bad form but i should <laughs> did, did you see the other video i sent you somebody caught me running by the by the barn over there no that, i saw uh, no i didn't get to see well, that no one. but that one i had nice form you know i also had tons of, i don't know why i had so many things in my pockets anyways jorge did 5ks in grueling jorge did 54 miles on a bike. On a bike. How far did you go north? Fort Lauderdale. Okay. So we go stadium east to Hallandale, north to Fort Lauderdale. Uh-huh. Back west, and then cut down through Davie, Southwest Ranches. Sweet. And then right that's back a, to the stadium. So you do nothing of Miami then? No. That's nah, too much. They, no, already, the, they got the Miami Marathon already. The 99 mile does all that loop and then down to Coral Gables. Really? To UM and back up. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. No, but 54 miles. 54 he, miles. He told me Zach Thomas. He, the Zach Thomas ride. I know, but when you got, and I heard he did the, like, the pep talk to yeah, yeah. get you just guys be, going. Just before we got going. And he did the 54 mile? He, He's an athlete. He should. I mean, he had his bike jersey and his helmet on, so, okay. let me so see, while, you, while you speak there, let me so see. So, let me ask you a question. So, you told me around the 30 mile mark, you were like, why did I do this, or the 40 mile mark? Uh, Yeah, about so the last 20 miles, I, I hooked up with this other guy. We fell off the back of the pack, and we were both uh, kind of— You were behind the peloton. Yeah. <laughs> the peloton. So we, we were pushing each other, you know, and we were both laughing like, man, we should have probably, probably opted for the 39-mile. <laughs> That's the Larry Zonka, you know, <laughs> yeah. range. There you go. Let's so see. he's looking up to see what, what Zach Thomas's time. Zach Thomas, he had did he have a did he have a time? So Let's it's see. a great thing that the, that the Dolphins do every year, and obviously this is memory of Jim Mandich, who was a wonderful tight end for the Dolphins uh, during the during the perfect season, and then he became our broadcaster and passed away in 2011 from cancer, and that's when the Dolphins start really started doing. I mean, this is the 15th year, 14th year that they do this. Um, it started off as just as a cycling challenge because Jim Mandich was a cyclist, and then they added 5K components and things like that. What I was doing over the weekend was a 5K for Never Walk Alone, which is PTSD awareness in honor of my brother. It was a great event, but we had we had to shut down registration. We weren't expecting that many people. 700 people showed up to Amelia Hart Park, and it was just a joyous event, and, and a lot of vendors came out, and there were fire trucks from all over South Florida, you know, uh, just on display, and and people came in full gear to walk the 5K. Some ran the 5K. Everybody got medals at the end. Um, it was just, it, it was just, it was an incre- incredible event of just community building. And, and listen, what the Dolphins do also is a great community builder, and a lot of the players opt in and do this. I know Coach McDaniel does something. Uh, Dan Marino was there. You know, the the, the Dolphin Brass was there. Um, so it, it is a great event. I told my people, I go. Yeah, you might want to, might not want to schedule next year's 5K yeah. for us <laughs> the same day as the Dolphin uh, Cancer Challenge. Um, but um, Dolphins Challenge Cancer. Dolphins ca- Challenge. Oh, it's the. I thought it was the other way around. No, Dolphins Challenge. No, I'm looking at your sweater. I should, you know, yeah. it says it on your sweater. So Zach Thomas did the 54 mile ride in three hours, ten minutes at wow. an average pace of 16.97 miles per hour. How much was? What was your time? My time was. Four hours and two minutes at an average pace of 13 miles. Yeah, bike for four hours. How are you walking? <laughs> My goodness. Well, it was three and a half hours on the bike. The other 30 minutes was the mandatory rest stops. Oh, okay. So they made you, because oh, okay. you're not a professional cyclist. That's yeah. why. That's But it, it, it both both are great causes. I mean. But it was to, fun. To, it me was that fun. In, to me that in 2024, cancer is still a disease that we have not cured. We've cured so many things. And listen, we no. found a cure, not a cure, but a vaccine for COVID in record time. Yep. I mean, cancer is still, 
out there and destroying lives and destroying families. And it, 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 listen, as a priest, I deal with so often, Father, this, you know, I have a 31-year-old former student just yeah. diagnosed with breast cancer. It's like, we got to get rid of it. And and to me, that we're, you know, 24 years into, into a new century and still haven't uh, cured it is beyond me. But uh, such is life. And uh, But we continue to pray for that and continue to raise funds for that. And then PTSD is... Um, Trying to get people aware that if you're suffering from anything, if you have thoughts that, that you know, like the title of the organization says, "Never Walk Alone." You're not walking alone. That there's people there to help you out. There's people there to 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 show you the light at the end of the tunnel. And speaking of the light at the end of the tunnel, as we segue into yesterday's gospel, uh, Peter, James, and John saw a light yesterday. Yeah. And they saw the transfiguration. And you went to 10:30 mass, and I did the 9 a.m. and 5:30 mass, and did completely different homilies. So I have no idea where to where to begin, where to talk. I mean, <laughs> we just turn on the mics and I'm, and my, right now my thoughts are with, um, you know, to our tomorrow I have to bury my longtime spiritual mentor. And so, and I had an interesting weekend, not only because of the 5k, but just, uh, just a lot of things that, that I was dealing with in terms of ministry. So, um, and we had two great readings too. Yes. And the thing is that as great as the first reading is, I didn't even mention, I, I was, I thought I was going to mention in my 530 homily. In fact, I, I left lunch early with Father Anna. goes, I got to go, you know, readjust my homily for tonight. A course correction, I said. Yep. And I, and I kind of totally redid this it. Was, this was one of those weekends for homiletic gymnastics. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, but the thing is that the first reading was the Abrahamic com you know, mm -hmm. covenant that Abraham is, you know, takes Isaac up because God asked him to sacrifice Isaac, his only son, the one that he longed for for so many years. And he's and because of Abraham's faith, he's going to do it. And when when God sees that he's going to do it, he stops him. The angel stops him and says, "Okay, you know, we tested your faith. Your faith is fine. I'm giving the Cliff Notes version. And now I'm going to enter into a covenant with you that yep. your descendants will be as numerous as the stars of the sky and the, and the sands on the seashore. And and that covenant is a covenant that still exists because we are all descendants of Abraham, not us, just us, that mm -hmm. but the Jewish people and Muslim people as well. So, you know." The reason why I'm tilting towards my 5.30 homily is because it was our 6th grade mass and I doubled down on something that 6th graders experienced last week, which was, um, and that goes into the Abrahamic Covenant, which I should have mentioned but didn't, was that they had a, a guest speaker last Thursday, David, Sch I'm going make, to make mess up his last name, uh, David Schachner, I want to say, and uh, he is a 95-year-old Holocaust survivor who is Slovakian by birth. And who he, he, you know, I heard him, you know, Sister Rosalie and I spent all week last week locked in her office doing re-registrations and, and looking at admissions and going over new admissions for our school that go out today. Um, so this is, this, this recording this podcast is a little luxury in my day. So thank you, Jorge. <laughs> but, um, but no, Sister Rosalie and I were, were, were locked in her office and then we get a, you know, we're, we're done with, with one thing and we were supposed to do another and uh, they tell us, Father, you know, there's a father, sister, there's a Holocaust survivor speaking to our sixth graders. And when we ran over there, and it was towards the end of his presentation, uh, David Schechter. Um, and he's come out on the news, and he's, uh, CBS4 does a lot with him. Um, in fact, he, they went to interview him when, when the Hamas war started in, in Israel back in early October. And he had strong things to say about that. He said, you know, where's God? Where's God? Where you know? Have, not only not 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 where's God? Because that's a lot. That's a question that was asked a lot during the Holocaust. But he will. Where is? It? Have we forgotten how to be human? And that and what the, what I mentioned yesterday, and I didn't mention any of that. But what I mentioned yesterday is that to tie it in more with the gospel was how attentive these eleven and twelve year old sixth graders were, listening and hanging on every word. Yeah that this extraordinary man had. Like I said, Slavkin by birth. I met him, you know, I went up to greet him and thank him for coming after the presentation was done with Sister Rosalie. You know, he grabbed my hands and, you know, did the double fist around my hand and uh, and said, Father, thank you. This brings me joy. And he said, I had a hundred and, either 107 or 109 still, it's a, it's a big number. I had 109 members of my family rounded up by the Nazis. Wow. I was the only one who survived. And, you know, he, he, he started, he, you know, he said, and it brings me joy to see, to see um, these children, to see these children that, that, that were hanging, that were listening to me. 
it brings me joy to see that that, that these children will now have a, that this memory that they'll never forget because that's the whole theme of Holocaust memorials is, is hashtag never forget. And unfortunately, sometimes we do. We, we do forget. And he said to me, Father, there's a word in the Old Testament. Bashat. He said it with the, the Yiddish, the strong Hebrew kind of, you know, Bashat, which means destined. And because I was the only one to survive, I felt that I was destined to survive so I could share this story with these kids and with others. He, he works a lot in the Holocaust Memorial in, in, in the beach, which used to live nearby. Mm-hmm. And, um, and obviously, the two of us have been to the Holocaust Memorial, um, Holocaust Museum in, in um, D.C., in DC yeah. which is jarring. We didn't go this year because it was like, we're too, it's too much. And, I'm, and, I, and I was listening to him, I go, we're both pansies. I mean, he, had, he went through the Holocaust. We, mm. He said, we've been to three World War II and Holocaust exhibits in one year. We don't want to go through this again. I felt guilty for not going with the kids, so we would, so we could go see you know Judy Garland's ruby slippers in the Smithsonian across the other Smithsonian Museum across the street. But Bashert, I mentioned that during the homily, Destin, and the reason I brought that word up is because we see not only Christ's destiny in yesterday's gospel, but we see our destiny as well. We see uh, that. Jesus reminds us that, okay, we're walking towards the cross, but beyond that, there's something greater. Beyond that, there's glory. And there's glory for us as well. Lent is a time to say, okay, what do I need to do to get to there, to get to where Christ wants me to be, to get to that transfiguration moment? And so we always have this gospel in the second Sunday of Lent to remind us of that. And the last part is the part that I harped on, is that just like these kids were listening very attentively to this man, this extraordinary human being, um, what does God the Father do? The smoke, you know, the cloud comes down from the heavens, envelops Jesus, talking with, you know, conversing with Moses and Elijah. We'll talk about that in a second. And then we hear the voice of God the Father saying, this is my beloved son, listen to him. So are at this point in Lent, are we listening to Jesus as we're supposed to? Yeah, you know, the, Father Andrew mentioned, you know, last week Jesus takes us to the desert. This This week he takes us to the mountaintop. Yeah, and it's both of those places are places of solitude, of isolation. You know, and that's so that is that is the key ingredient for listening. You know, we've we've mentioned it before. You know, we get so busy sometimes that even we're we're in our prayer, right? We rush through our prayer just to, you know, okay, I did it. Like I I fell into that trap last week with the with the hallow pray forty, right? right. Where, where I just kind of put my headphones on and I'm listening. To the, you know, to the guided meditation, but I'm not really praying. You know, I, I I was just going through the motion. Let me let me listen to this thing so that I can get the little check mark for the day, you know, and then I'm on to the next thing, you know. But but I didn't make the the intentional effort to set a tie, set aside this time, you know, to go with Jesus into the desert, you know, to climb the mountain with him, you know, to spend time and listen to him. You know, not just listen to some recorded meditation, but to actually enter into that time of prayer. You know, so so I love that Father Andrew, you know, brought those two weeks, to, these first two weeks of Lent together, because that's what we're called to do in this season, mm-hmm. you know, is is to go away, so to speak, you know, to, to enter into that, into that desert, to climb that mountaintop, to, to be alone with our Lord. So that we can listen to him, and that's what's so difficult in in our environment, in our in our society, that we don't like. For example, the five thirty mass. We were just talking before we went on the air with with Lewis, our music director, that I didn't have a choir at. You know, it was miscommunication. I didn't have a choir at uh, at five thirty mass. So it was oh. a lot of silence, and I spoke about silence in my bulletin column last week. Uh, sometimes we're afraid of it in the desert. What do you get in the desert? Nothing but silence. Mm-hmm. But also, when you go up to the top of the mountain. There's no one there. Yep. What do you get? Silence. And in fact, when God the Father said this, my beloved said, listen to him, suddenly, looking around, they no longer saw anyone but Jesus alone with them. So again, the you know, we saying Mark doesn't get into, you know, thunderclaps or anything like that. He just said a cloud comes down, casting a shadow over them. And from the cloud came a voice. So 
after that, you know, after that voice, which had to be strong, the voice of God the Father, this is my beloved son, listen to him. And there was silence. So now is the silence. Now it's a time for Peter, James, and John, who were told by Jesus, don't say this to anyone. To And they, and the gospel ends with like, they're, they're pondering, you know, what does this mean? Because he said, don't say this to anyone until the Son of Man rises. What does this mean? So we're supposed to listen to the word, you know, and then digest the word, and we could only do that in silence. Now, you could do it, you know, obviously by listening to us, you know, listening to this podcast or listening to any other commentary, but also discussing with others. Yep. You know, there's Bible says, okay, what is this, what is this gospel? And what is, how does it tie in with the first reading? You know, how does it, how does it tie in with everything that we're doing during Lent? How does it tie in with our Lenten journey? That we could do by conversing with others. And that's why I bring in, <clears throat> that's what I spoke most about in the 9 a.m. 9 a.m. Mass is that, you know, Peter, James, and I looked up and they saw that they were conversing with Moses and Elijah. And I always say, and I say this kiddingly, so how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? Because they had Jews that didn't have any icons, <laughs> you know, no pictures of them, unless they were wearing name tags. I mean, it must have been very clear that it was yeah. Moses and Elijah. So, um, but they were conversing. And you think about, okay, what were they talking about? So I asked the kids, because I had a kid's mass at 9 a.m., I said, I asked the kids, well, you know, this is very interesting. If you had a chance to converse with Jesus, you had a chance to talk to Jesus, what would you ask him? You know? Uh, the kids were all over the place with their answers. I was expecting, it was fourth grade, they're usually very good, I was expecting deep answers, and I really didn't get any, so I was trying to, and that was like, that's the thing of the, the, the thing and the, and the challenge of a children's homily is that you're so dependent on how yeah. the kids answer, and you think they're going to answer one way, and they usually answer another way, so if, they, if you aren't prepared for how, for, for curveballs. For anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> then you're in trouble. So, but yeah, there's a listening part, but there's also, I said, there should be in our prayer life a natural conversation with Jesus. And people ask me all the time, just like the disciples ask Jesus, okay, how do we how do I pray? And we've talked about it here in this podcast. You know, talk to Jesus. Like I'm talking to you right now into this microphone. And just, you know, I know it's like, you know, when you're in a in a chapel or in, in the church, there's people around you, you know, you can't say, Hey, Jesus, I've been having a bad day, you know, and people are listening to you. But, you know, I have the luxury, and I don't do it that often, of having a keys, keys to my church and a private chapel in my rectory, and I could go in there and say, Lord, where were you today? You know, I had a bad day. People were suffering. People were, you know, going crazy. And I didn't see you today. And then I realized, wait, you were there today. Because if you weren't there... I would have gone crazy myself. But having that natural conversation, being able to talk to Lord Nat, that's prayer. Right. And it is, it is weird at first. It is, yeah. I have in no problem. Uh, in, in seminary, the first time we, I really did a holy, you know, I, did, I did some holy hours in, in high school and, and you know, was, again, just kind of going through the motions and just kind of looking around at my friends, like, what are we doing here? And it was awkward. So it, was, it really took me a while to get accustomed to that hour of silent prayer, mm -hmm. you know, because it wasn't a holy hour with music. It wasn't a holy hour, you know, with guided meditation necessarily. It was, it was literally an hour with thirty-four of us guys sitting in a chapel yeah. in absolute silence. Tell me about it. Yeah, and the first few weeks, I'm just kind of sitting there looking at like, oh, let me let me see the symbols on the on the big piece of art over the sanctuary, and, and I'm trying to distract myself yeah. with anything and everything but taking the time to enter into that into that silent conversation. But the more I did it, you know, it it becomes more and more natural, just like you're talking to one another right now. Mm -hmm. you know, so yeah, the first the first few times, because you're not actually hearing anything back, it's a little like, what the heck am I doing here? You know, but the more we the more we do it, you know, we become we we become more fine-tuned to be able to hear that response back in our in our hearts. And that's the Holy Spirit at work. And he, and again, at the end of this gospel, you see the presence of the Trinity, you know, that cloud that comes down. It's the Holy Spirit enveloping, the, you know, Jesus and the, the disciples and Moses and Elijah and then God the Father speaking. So the Holy Spirit is the one that prompts and leads and guides our prayer to be able to listen to the Lord, to be able to listen to the will of the Lord. And God the Father wants us to listen to him. 
and wants us to listen to him as intent as attentively as those six graders listened to that Holocaust survivor and we're hanging on his every word. Again, it's not easy to speak to eleven and twelve year olds and to hold their attention for as long as that man did, ninety five years old. But he had a message. Because you look at, you know, and we and these were gospels early earlier this year, at, that Jesus would go out and preach to the crowds and preach and, and they were like they were mesmerized because he had authority. We right. spoke about that a few weeks ago. And he was preaching with authority, you know, unlike the scribes and the Pharisees. And so they were hanging on his everywhere. They wanted to know what Jesus was, yep. was saying. So there's people in our lives that, you know, whether they be priests or whether they be speakers or you know, whatever it is that you want to know what they have to say and you want to be able to listen to them. And I remember I, I was looking back at an old homily of mine and I equated it to like, you know, like a good singer that, that isn't just just show. It's just you, the art of singing. The art of you, you. You just stop everything. You want to listen to the singer. You want to listen to every note. You want to listen to every word that that singer enunciates, because of their talent. You know, when Andrea Bocelli starts singing, you have to stop everything. Yep. You know, and and just listen. You know, I, I looked at an old homily and I shared it with a former student of mine that uh, that um, I preached the day after they had their confirmation retreat, and. I told I told him the story that you know that the Grammys were on probably and Izzy and I talked about this last week that the Grammys were on three weeks earlier even back then and, and this gospel came up about listening and I had it on in the background I was I was working on other things and then all of a sudden Adele who was at the height of her of her fame and it was just starting out this is 13, 14 years ago um, came out and sang somebody like you. And the way that she did it, and every other artist, you know, and this still happens, comes out with a lot of flair and a lot of pyrotechnics and a lot of, you know, distractions and and sometimes auto-tune so to distract. This is a woman, it's just her voice. Mm -hmm. And she had maybe the piano because the, the piano intro dun, 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 is just a beautiful intro. And she just threw her heart on the stage and was speaking from, moment, from uh, you know, that song speaks to, you know, to pain, to... To you know, to love lost, to, to heartbreak, and all of that, and you, you're just just mesmerized by that voice. And so, when it comes to the, to listening to our Lord, how can one not be mesmerized? First of all, by the transfiguration experience by its, on its own. Saint Mark says, you know, they went up the high mountain, depart, you know, you know, apart from everyone's, and he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no bleach on earth. Sorry, such such as no fuller on earth could bleach them. In other words, this is very white, what St. Mark's trying to say. <laughs> you know, Jesus is like, wow, transfigured. This, and again, this, there's this light. And to bring it back to this Holocaust survivor, because my first experience with a Holocaust survivor was when I was not much older than these kids. I was in eighth grade. That I was, I was in public school and we were taken to a, a luncheon with Holocaust survivors. And thankfully, there were more Holocaust survivors back then. They're dwindling down now as we get on with eight, with, with the years. And we were in a table, round table, and there was one student, one Holocaust survivor, one student, one Holocaust survivor. Wow. And in front of our plates was the, a copy of Edie Wiesel's Night. That wonderful, wonderful uh, novel, dark novel. You know that he is that describing. It's not a novel. It's his autobiography. It's basically his experience of the Holocaust and of that darkness. But yet, we have to find the light. And being able to listen to these survivors, listen to their stories, listen to how they survived it, listen to how they cried out to God. And in that darkness, in that night, as Eli Wiesel would write, you know, you have to, you're praying that the sun would rise, but you know, day after day would come, and the, and the darkness would just only get darker. Because he was talking about, you know, I saw not what he said on to the kids, but I was I saw an interview on on, on YouTube that he was talking about how they're pushing his. He saw his mother being pushed down a hill into these two massive holes, which can only, I could only surmise were two massive graves, and, do, and the Nazi dogs biting them and them pushing them, and sometimes them shooting them. And I go, and of course you would ask, okay, where is God in all of this? And this is where the Lenten journey is, is that we're in the desert. And I don't know about you, Jorge, but Lent has been so far, we're about to get to two weeks into Lent, it's been difficult for me. 
to get into it, to, like you, you said it, actually, you said it earlier, that you were just going through the motions with mm-hmm. the hallowed app. By the way, I gave up on that two days in. You know, it's like <laughs> I, I don't like guided meditation. I, I I like to go at my own pace yeah. and 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 I'm not. You know, it, it's good. I'm, I'm I I really endorse it. Yeah. I go for this priest. Not, I mean, you know, I'll go celebrate the mass. I'll go celebrate yeah. the liturgy the hours. I'll go do my own holy hour. I still have it on my phone. I got to make sure that I, you know cancel the yeah. subscription. But but no, I highly encourage people to get it. It's really good. It was just not for me. And then. Uh, like for example, guided rosary. No, I like to do in the rosary at my own pace, mm-hmm. whether it's slower or faster. You for know. Sure. But, um, but we have to, as a people of hope, as a people that are going through the desert, that a pe- that we're going through this desert and it's it's a struggle. You know, yesterday's gospel is a reminder that there is an eternal reward at the end, that there is a transfiguration moment, that there is a light moment at the end. Because how do we end? Lent, how does Easter begin? With one solitary light. The Easter fire. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a reminder that God's light, and Father, I know we were talking about that yesterday, that God's light is present in the world, obviously through baptism, the, the, the candle we receive at baptism, obviously through the Paschal candle, but that no matter where we are in the darkness, no matter where we are in the spiritual life, no matter how dark we think our life may be, and that's something that I dealt with on, on Saturday morning with this 5K for PTSD, People that have, are depressed, people that are suffering post-traumatic stress disorder, people that are, you know, where you did, people are suffering cancer. They don't see, sometimes they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But we have to remind them that there is one. And that's the challenge. That's the challenge. So transfiguration. You know, it's it's um, it's a welcome respite during during this Lenten season. It's a welcome gospel that, as Father, I like that, the, the ad analogy that Father Andrew made. He takes us to the desert one week and then he takes us to the mountaintop the other week. And those are two totally different ecosystems yep. and two totally different <laughs> terrains and two totally different spiritual experiences because, you know, I like the mountains. I just don't like the traveling to the mountains. That's the, that's the part of that's the part that I don't like. I mean, you know, every time I go to the mountains, I like flying there, not driving yeah. there. Just getting out of floor <laughs> is a pain. But But when you stand in the mountains or even, you know, when you're standing at the top of a mountain and you're looking down, you do feel a certain closeness to God. Mm-hmm. And that's why they had to go up the mountain. And, and you and I have been to Mount Tabor. It's not an impressive mountain. Nope. It's not. You look at it, you know, it's a rolling, that's like a mm. rolling hill. But it is high and it is, there's a temperature difference between, you know, where, you know, normal level and then, and then that top of the mountain. But you go up there and you realize, okay, wow, this is, where Jesus was transfigured. This is where Moses and Elijah came and spoke to Jesus. This is where the disciples were. And now I'm here. And you're you're thinking, okay, how do I connect with Jesus? Because the mountain is, you know, for the Jews and for us, you know, it elevates us. It, it brings us closer to God in the heavens. That's how the Jews saw that. That's why, you know, this they went up a high mountain apart by themselves. That's what we have to do during this Lent. Spend more time in silence. Spend more time by yourself with the Lord. And the, one of the last things I said in my homily is, you know, Lent is a time and this transfiguration reminds us that we have to take Jesus out of the backseat of our lives and have him ride, ride shotgun with us during this adventure that is our lives. That's or, important. Or let him in the driver's seat and mm-hmm. we ride shotgun. Thank you, Carrie Underwood. Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> yeah, right? It's important. Yep. Yeah, and um, you know, I was saying, I was thinking back to, you know, as I was, as I was talking about my own experiences of of Holy Hour, you know, with with the thirty four guys in seminary or however many guys it was, you know, there's always a temptation to kind of look around, you know, and see what's everyone else doing, yeah, and and that is that it, that can become so poisonous to our spiritual life, right? Yeah, you know, because we have no idea what the Lord is doing. In anybody who's sitting to our left or to our right, or to in, in front or behind us, even to a friend or or our spouse, because the Lord wants a, a relationship with each one of us, you know, and we can go ask the sixth graders, ninety sixth graders who heard this Holocaust survivor, and and they would have ninety different reactions, you know, and they would if we said what's the one word that stood out to you, some of them might have the same word but for totally different reasons, mm-hmm. you know, so so there would be. 90 unique reactions, 90 unique takeaways, 90 unique 
movements in, in, in their spirits because that's how the Lord wanted them to hear that particular message. And the same applies when we meditate on Scripture, when we attend Mass, when we sit in a holy hour, you know, when we enter into prayer. You know, the, the Lord is going to, and the, the Spirit is going to move us to hear and to receive that one thing that we need today. You know, and, and so to to look around you know, and start comparing ourselves to one another, you know, man, that guy over there is, is looks like he's really intensely in prayer and he's kneeling, but I'm sitting, you know, or, you know, that guy over there is crying, but listening to this meditation, but I just, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to me. You know, am I doing something wrong? You know, that's, that is so detrimental, which, which is why, you know, we, I want to encourage this ongoing relationship in prayer. You know, that, that it's just you and the Lord. Forget about anyone else. It's just you and the Lord. And Lord, what do you want to speak to me today? You know, we're, we're still a month away from Easter. You know, let, God, I wish it was... <laughs> for, forget about Easter right now. You know what? Lord, today is Monday, the 26th of February. You know, what is it that you want me to hear today? You know, what's that one word from this scripture? What's the one word from this prayer? What's the one word from a rosary? What's the one word... You know the one movement that you need me to to receive today. You know, and and take me one step at a time to where it is that you're leading me. But forget about tomorrow, right now. What is it that you want me to hear today? And in that word that we've been harping on is listen. And if we listen to him every, every day, would be a different word. Every day would be a different message because, like you said. The Spirit moves us all in different ways. And actually, what you just said had, had crossed my mind, sitting with the sixth graders and kind of like, okay, how did you experience it? What did, what did you get? I, I, re I really wanted to do it during Mass yesterday, but bringing up the sixth graders are a little older now to bring them for children's homily. Um, and I'd venture to say that Peter, James, and John uh -huh. had very different reactions sure. to the transfiguration. They kept to themselves. Right. Because they were told yeah, not but to... I mean, they all saw the same thing. Exactly, but it was only Peter who reacted. Right. But he reacted; he reacted out of fear. Oh, I already, I already changed. <laughs> I already changed the page. I moved. I moved on to another passage in scripture. But no, he reacted out of fear when he said, "Lord, let's build two tents. I mean, three tents. Excuse me, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah." Because he's there, and like you know, he felt like he had to say something. When it's like when you feel like you had to say something, don't say anything at all. Yep. You don't have to say anything. Yep. I always say that when it comes to wake services. People think they have to say something to the widow or to the the to the next of kin. Don't say anything. Your your presence is enough. And here here's what I said. Uh, then Peter said to Jesus and replied, Rabbi, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He hardly knew what to say. They were so terrified. And it's that trembling that when we're before the Almighty, when we're, we're, we're before theophany, we're before, you know, something that is divine. You know, the Israelites were terrified every time the voice of God spoke at Sinai. Is that we're in front of the Almighty. How could and, you not be? And to think, as Father Andrew so beautifully put it, we see this transfiguration every single Sunday at Mass in the Eucharist. And we hold him in our hands and we, and we consume him. You talk about being blown away. If we really understood what was going on, you know, how are we not terrified <laughs> when we sit in those pews? Yeah, I mean, when you when you realize that that's Jesus in body, soul, and divinity, and that's Jesus present there in the altar. How can you not be moved? How can you not be, you know, in awe? Because we have that transfiguration moment every Sunday. I mean, not. In, in a more vis in such a visual way as the three disciples experienced it but still it's God coming into our time it's God coming into our presence it's God coming to touch us and then through the word to speak to us the father is very clear the father speaks to us this is my beloved son listen to him in other words giving him more authority same thing as he did during the during his baptism yep. giving him the authority and telling people, this is the one. I'm pointing to him. This is my son. This is the Messiah. This is the one you've been waiting for. Yep. Listen to him. So my friends... And Peter still gets it wrong. 
And Peter still gets it wrong. <laughs> Just like we all get it wrong. That's why I love Peter. Yeah, that's why we all get it wrong. So my friends, as you continue your Lenten journey, that word listen, so important. Um, I invite you, if you can, uh, look up, you know, Google this Holocaust survivor, read up on him. He, he is, he's a, a fixture at, uh, at the Holocaust Memorial. David Schechter, his last name is spelled S-C-H-A-E-C-T-E-R, Schechter. And, and Google him, look at it, look it on YouTube. One of the first YouTube videos will come out that was when Channel 4 interviewed him after the Hamas war started. And his reactions are very, and, and they, they kept the camera on him for seven minutes, raw footage. Him just, uh, just dealing with this pain because it's like he's seen this happening over and over again. And we don't learn as humanity. Why? Because we don't listen to God. It all goes back to that. If we truly listen to him, and, and the thing is, and, and I know you're all thinking it, so I'm going to mention it. It's a lot of these, a lot of this is being done in the name of religion. Pope Francis is always decrying that. That is the sacrilege of sacrileges. How could you say you're doing something? How could you wage war in the name of God? Yet, it's in the Bible. <laughs> you go through the book of Genesis, it's war after war after war. You go through the Old Testament, it's war after war after war. You know, that's our human, unfortunately, that is our human nature. But Christ comes to redeem that human nature. He says that's not what we're supposed to be doing. Okay? We do this because we're not listening to God. Because if we were listening to God, you know, we're supposed to be brothers and sisters. Yes, any faith, but we're all, going back to Abraham, children of Abraham. And so I invite you to listen to him, listen to his testimony. And more important, more importantly, listen to the Lord. Because the transfiguration is a reminder during the Sunday season that if we listen to him, the glory it is to come makes this traveling through the desert that much more worthwhile. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but just... No. Get out of here. <laughs> what was that last night? All right. We're in the boring area oh my, it's of awful. sports right now. It's, uh, we didn't even do a sports segment last week. It was so bad. <laughs> well, how is he? But still, it's like... We're post-Super post Bowl... Spring pre, training, pre-March pre, pre, pre Madness, and I can't watch college basketball on a Sunday afternoon. I'm sorry. No, I don't, I don't watch college basketball, period, until March, March Madness. Madness, you know. Which makes my bracket picks all the more entertaining, because I have no idea what I'm doing. Kind of like the NFL regular season. That's right. And who won that? <laughs> this guy. Who won the playoffs? This guy. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, we're not competitive at all. But um, we have soccer back. We do. Messi and company started last Wednesday. I see a second of it. Not def- I was going to say def- defending. They didn't defend anything. They didn't make the playoffs last year. They did you know, win the, the League's Cup. But uh, I saw a highlight of the of the tight game-tying goal last night. Okay, so they played a game against Real Salt Lake on Wednesday. to open. It was a season opener for yep. MLS. They had no other games that night. On Wednesday, they won 2-0. Um, Messi it was there and obviously takes the space, but... You know, Robert Taylor, I know, had to go. But last night, I totally forgot about the game. I knew. I, I thought about it early in the evening and then started doing other things and totally forgot about it and fell asleep before even the game ended. Yep. But I wasn't even aware of the game. I was watching Kirby Enthusiasm, which was very good last night. Um, but I almost fell asleep during that. I was so tired. But this morning, I wake up and Messi, at the 90 seconds, 90 second minute, scores the game tying goal. Give and go mm-hmm. with Jordi Alba going back and forth, back and forth. How do you let these two do give and goes back and forth, yeah. back and forth through the heart of the defense? Come on. Uh, obviously, there's more to it, but neither of us saw the game, so we can't you know, speak intelligently of it. Can we speak intelligently about soccer, period? I don't think we can. No. But um, but no, uh, they, are, uh, they have four points to start off the season. So there was something I, I was hearing Taylor Twelman, who calls the games and is pretty much calling every messy game now on, a, on um, Apple TV. Um, he did a season preview with on the Rich Eisen show last week, and I and I and I heard that last week, and he was excellent. He said, "Inter Miami needs obviously is a you know you look at it on paper, you know you see all these guys, but they're in their mid thirties. Jordi Alba, 
you, you know, Busquets, and then you have uh, Luis Suarez joining the team, but they're in their mid-30s, including Messi. So you can't count them for a long campaign, but in the middle of the year, we have Copa America, mm. Centenario coming up, and the more uh, the more Messi, you know, Argentina advances in that tournament, and, and, and there's no reason why they shouldn't. They're the defending world champions in the World Cup. Uh, the more Messi misses games with us. Mm-hmm. So... You know, you have the Euros going on in, 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 in Europe this summer, and you have the Copa America Centenario happening here in this country during during that time. So Messi's going to miss a big chunk of the season, and that's not counting injury. And the same thing goes with his teammates. I don't know how much his teammates are going to be, you know, dedicated in, in, in their in their respective uh, countries to their teams. So we really need to get off to a flying start. would have been nice to pick up three points, but... When you're down one nothing that late in the game, in a you know, LA Galaxy usually puts mm-hmm. out a good team. Uh, to come out with a draw in the ninety second second, that ninety second minute, that's pretty good. So we move from there, and uh, we're coming back from the All Star break in the NBA, and he came out punching. Yeah, you said did you, you didn't um, see about the, the Jimmy Butler getting ejected? Yeah, I saw a headline, but I'm, you, you, I'm, you're out, you're tuned you're totally tuned out. Got suspended for one game because of that. Jimmy Butler, you don't mess with him. You know, Zion went up for a dunk. Kevin Love found him and then held him as he fouled him. Yeah. And Zion recognized that. But one of the one of his teammates, I uh, forgot his name now, didn't like it and made some noise. And Jimmy went after him, and he went after Jimmy, and that kept going. And him, so Jimmy and and Jovich yeah. uh, got suspended for one game. But the Heat won their first game coming out of the All Star break, so that's three in a row that they have. But really, Boston, I think, has won eight in a row, and they're they're at another level. Milwaukee. I think the hiring of Doc Rivers, I'm going to say that right now, that's kind of like ensuring yourself that you're not going to win the NBA title. Come on. Doc Rivers won in Boston because he had Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce and Ray Allen in their primes. Okay, how do you not win with that team? Mm-hmm. But they only won one championship because, and this is what Paul Pierce was always, you know, crying about because, they, you know, the following year after, the, what was it, a year or two years after they won the title, uh, LeBron James came to Miami and got in their way. You know, winning more titles yep. and getting to the finals. So uh, he's always been, you know, a little salty. Salty, yeah. That's <laughs> and and making irrational claims. You know, like and and speaking about things they shouldn't be speaking about. UD shouldn't have his number retired. Udonis Haslam. What do you care? And they still haven't forgiven Ray Allen from leaving Boston to come down to Miami. Whatever. But um, so the so the NBA is back in full swing, and um, uh. Before we go on to baseball, you know, the Panthers lost a game the other day. They did. They lost to Carolina. They did. But oh. they're still playing well. And I looked Carolina at the celebrated that like they won the Stanley Cup. Really? Yeah. Oh, poor, 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 <laughs> poor people. They were our Achilles heel for many years, and we dispatched them pretty well last year, you know, in, in the playoffs. Uh, but I was looking at I hadn't really looked at the standings in the NHL. I looked at it last week, and we're up there. I don't want the President's Cup. No, no, no. The cur- you believe in the curse? Uh, how do you not? <laughs> I mean, look what happened. Boston broke records last year, and we beat them in seven games. Mm-hmm. We had no business beating them, but they won it. We won it the year before. Yep. We were dispatched. Was it the first or second first round? round. First yeah. Round. No, it was, I think it was the second round. We took Carolina. Or, no, I think it was the first round. Really? Whatever. But yeah, I, and then Tampa Bay a couple years ago, another yep. world-beating team dispatched in the first round, and then the next year they won the Stanley Cup. So... Um, yeah, I want no parts of the President's Cup. I know that, you know, I know that Boston's up there. I know that the Avs are up there. Uh, but no, you could keep the President's Trophy. President's Cup is another thing. The Stars. The Stars are up there. there. Yeah. But I want no part of that. No, keep us two. The Rangers. The Rangers have won like 10 in a row. (sighs) Oh, they finally lost. They did? But that would be fun. We haven't played the Rangers, I believe, in the playoffs since I believe the 2000 season. We're two points back of Vancouver. For the top spot. Oh no no no! I don't want no. With I want the Rangers and Boston in front. By I don't. One point. I don't want any part of that. Let yeah. them let them have it. Let them have the President's <laughs> Trophy. We have a nice banner in the arena. Great, but that's not the Stanley Cup. That's yeah. not the. That's not what we look for. That's not what we look for. I did talk about that in baseball one time. We could make something out of the regular season. Give the the person. Give the team that wins it. I I said I think last season. Award the pennant during the regular season. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean you're going to the World Series, but award some type of trophy. I don't know. Because it's like, it means nothing. Because right now I'm looking at, you know, we're in spring training and I'm looking at the regular season and I go, the Dodgers are going to win 100 games. You know what the over-under on the Dodgers is? I think we talked about it in the, the last time you and I were on the podcast. It's 103.5. Oh, wow. 
That's cra- I've never seen that. Wow. Never seen that. The Yankees are 93 and a half. I go, really? Can I have the under on that? Really? Can I? Please, please, please. Well, they put up a 22 spot in their first spring training game. Yeah, they did. <laughs> so the Dodgers also put up a, a big spot. Was on it that. a 22? I think it was. It was, no, it was 22. It was 22. Because UM also put up a 22 spot yesterday. Mm-hmm. But um, talking about the UM baseball team. Okay, the UM basketball team. I'm, if they well, make they, it to twenty two, that they be, yeah they could put it. They're likely to put up a twenty two spot. They're bad. So no, but I'm looking at the Dodgers and I'm saying, okay, these guys are going to be gangbusters during the regular season. But when it comes to the playoffs, how healthy will they be? Will Kershaw be pitching well? Will, will Otani be you know be holding up? He's not going to pitch this year. But will Otani? We don't. The Marlins don't play them. We were talking about looking at tickets for the seeing them in September. But will Otani be playing? Will he shut him down because? You know, his surgery is going to affect his swing or is mm-hmm. it going to affect his pitching for the following year. So that 103.5, I mean, again, give me the under in that one because they could, could very well win 110 games, but that means nothing when the baseball postseason starts. Because yep. We saw last year they had the five games off and we're, and we're, we're taken by Arizona. Who yeah. ended up winning the National League. Did you remember that Arizona won the National League pennant? See, I didn't, I didn't either know. the other day when I when they were showing me that the Arizona tickets were more expensive. I go, well, well, yeah, they. I forgot they 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 were the defending National League champs. <laughs> Regular season used to mean something in baseball. Now it means nothing. There's a reason why it was 162 games. So you know what? Get rid of the 162 games. Make it make it 154 like it was mm. before. You know, back in the 50s and 60s. Make it. There's no reason for it to be 162 games anymore. The 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 the, the, the 2020 season proved that. It did. Anyways, the Marlins last week signed a shortstop. Finally. We have something that's not a second baseman on the roster. <sighs> but Tim Anderson, who hit the walk-off home run in probably the greatest baseball game played in the last few years, that field, that first field of green games against the, mm-hmm. the Yankees when he was playing for the White Sox, uh, hit the walk-off, and, he, and, and, had, and I didn't like him that night, obviously. Yeah. But you know, he was very excited. Well, if we, if we get a bounce-back year from him, it'll be exciting. With a with a full year of Berger and Bell. Now, we but that's we, a lot of ifs. We keep forgetting that that's the, a lot the, of ifs. That the reigning batting champ is on our team, and you could say two time back to back reigning champ because he won in the American mm-hmm. League the year before with Minnesota. And Father Andrew made a good point to me. Uh, we were talking to a former baseball player in our parish, you know, Mark Suarez, who he's saying, you know, how should the, how does Anderson's signing affect Lewis Arise? Because Arise was signed to a ten-year, I mean, a ten million dollar, you know, arbitration, you know, and that I'm sorry, that's grossly underpaid for the batting champ. And then you you sign Anderson for half that, and Anderson was a shell of himself last year. Mm-hmm. And like you said, you're hoping for a bounce back year. It's a one-year contract, so really, you're taking a flyer on him. But how does that affect, you know, your your second baseman who is a world beater at the plate yep. who was flirting with 400 at the beginning of the year. Not flirting. He was over 400 at the beginning of the year and flirting with it well into August. Well into, yep. So how does it affect him? Because you need that guy to get on base. You need, to, you know, so a full year of Berger, a full year of Bell. Bell, a full year of Arise, a full year of Anderson, hopefully. Hopefully an injury-free year for Jazz. And... Yep. You know, we we don't have Sandy this year. So and you already hit us last year for the whole year here. Yep. And then maybe you got something. Because the Marlins think that they put putting the twenty seven Yankees out there with the with the <laughs> ticket prices they're charging. My <laughs> goodness. I was talking to people that go, No, they raised our ticket prices a thousand bucks. I'm like, because we made the playoffs Ouch. and got spanked by Philly, Philly and mm. by the Phillies in two games. You know, we're not the twenty seven Yankees. We're not even the we're not even, I know you're not going to hear, we're not even the twenty, the 2022 Mets, okay? You know, with all, that should have won more, but yep. didn't, okay? So let's see what happens there, but we're not excited about. You haven't even seen a, a pitch thrown in baseball. No. I've tried to get no, to No, it's spring ha- training. It, I know, but I've no, tried to see. it's not just spring training. It's early spring training. Which is, you know. Which is like pulling teeth because the regulars play two innings and then if it's. If that, and it's not all the regulars. Yeah. Um, so give me give me another uh, another three weeks and then I'll start maybe getting excited. <laughs> Here's a topic because everything is back to football, and I didn't tell you before we went on there that we were, that I wanted to talk about it, but it just came to mind. So the college football playoff, the, this year and the next year is going to be twelve teams, but now they want to go in twenty twenty six. They want to go to fourteen no. teams. No, why? No, 
12 is 12 is a good number. Why 14? I think 12 is too much. Why not 8? Eight? 8's fine. But I I mean 12 because what happens is the 12 is a 12 f- makes it exciting for the four uh, highest conference champions get buys. Right. So there's a there's a And Notre Dame agree with perk. this. Notre Dame can never hold, can never have a buy. Yep. Unless they join a conference. And they agree with they agree to this because they know there's no other path into the national championship for them. And um so now I believe if they go to 16, it'll be... 16 or 14? No, sorry, 14, 14. If they go to 14, it's, it's almost identical to the NFL playoffs where only two teams get buys and then everybody else plays a home game oh. before they go to the quarterfinals that are played in the New York Six Bowls. You know, it's college football is changing. But, the, but here's the thing. During my entire lifetime, college football has been nothing but change. But what hasn't changed is the excitement of the on-field product, mm-hmm. unless you're a University of Miami fan. But but the the, the pageantry, the bands, the, the 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 traditions, the smoke, you know, Rocky Top, and you know, Hail to the Victors, and the dotting the I in Ohio, and the tomahawk chop, and George's making faces, and the Gator Chomp, and all these things don't change because the only thing that has really changed is that. When you when when UM was in its glory, okay, when you lost a regular season game, man, you felt it. Yep. You go, there goes our season. Just one game. Now you lose the game and go, okay, fine. You know, we'll still sneak into the playoffs and make noise there. But look at Alabama last year. Yep. Alabama, that was you could say was the worst team that Nick Saban ever took into, even though it was full of five chip recruits, uh, five star recruits. Uh that was the, probably the worst Alabama team he ever took into the playoffs and and was an overtime away from mm-hmm. advancing the national championship game. So uh, you don't like it. No, I don't mind 12. I just, just let's see what it looks like before we start talking about it, expanding it further. I think we need to see what it looks like. like. We, haven't, we, have, we don't even know what it's going to look like. But my <laughs> here, but here's something that I want to... That, that, Unless they're already forecasting the the crying from teams 13 and 14. I know that the conference... But then you go to 14 and 15 and 16 are going to cry. But I know that the conferences... Because these are not automatic bids, like in the NCAA tournament and in basketball, that you win your conference tournament and you automatically get a bid. What's the point of the conference championship games? They're not going to get... In the 12? Yeah. Yeah, it's the 5 plus 7. Top five... The the five conference champions are in, and then this next seven highest... Five highest ranked conference champions are in. It's a very different thing. Doesn't so, doesn't mean power so five. In th- yeah, in the- was there a power five left? There's a power two. Yeah, but you got the you got the SEC. No, no, it's power. Remember, there's no five anymore. Yeah, you got the SEC, the ACC, the the Big Ten, Big Twelve, Big Twelve. It's only four. Yeah, and then the group of five group champion. Of five. That's it. Highest ranked. Those. Those, so those, it's five, those it's five, five plus seven. It's yeah, five plus those five, to twelve. Those five are automatically in, and right. then the next seven. But what I'm saying is, it's not automatic if you win your conference championship. Because let's say that yes, it is. Unless you're one of the group it of says, five. It says highest ranked. Here's the theory that I'm post is that, that I'm postulating is this. Let's say that Iowa plays Mich- you know, Michigan or Ohio State in the Big Ten, like like this past year. Okay, let's say Iowa would have beaten Michigan. Yeah. Okay, Iowa, even if they would have beaten Michigan, would not be in the following poll, would not be ranked higher, or even in the following F- uh, college football playoff ranking, would not be ranked higher than Michigan. Yeah, so the conference they, championship win means nothing. No, they would get in as the conference championship. But I don't think that's the case. Yes, and then Michigan, if they are still ranked within the next seven, would still get in. That's why it's the five plus seven. But, but I think I read that it was a five highest ranked conference no, champion. It's, it's the four bit, the big four plus the group of five champion. The highest ranked group of five is what you're thinking of. Yes, that. But that's been that was part of this past, uh, you know, in, in, in iteration of the college football playoff. Um, so but, Iowa can win the can win their conference ranked number twenty three, and they'll get an automatic bid. And then it's the once you've once you've taken those five champions, then the highest seven ranked teams in the. I am reading to you from the collegefootballplayoff.com website. Under the twelve team format, 
that begins as followed, the four highest-ranked conference champions will be seeded one through four, and each will receive a first-round bye. It doesn't say anything about automatically. It doesn't say anything about winning your conference title. But there's it, only five conference champions. But I'm, I'm <laughs> Jorge. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the SEC title game. I'm talking about the Big Ten title game. I'm talking about the ACC title game. Yeah. Let's say FSU would have lost to a to a, well, they wouldn't get in anyways, but because it's FSU, <laughs> but. It says under that, you know, they, it doesn't say no. Here, oh, here it is. Yeah. Okay. Listen, you're on air right now. I know. <laughs> no conference will qualify automatically, and there will be no limit to the number of participants from a conference. Okay. So there's no automatic qualifications. In other words, if you win your conference championship game, that doesn't guarantee you get in. Like I said, if Iowa, which is ranked in the low 20, in the, in the 20s, would have beaten Michigan, they didn't, they didn't, they wouldn't have gotten into the top twelve. Okay, but what Michigan other, still would have gone in. But what other four conference champions would be ranked above them? I mean, this is this would entail total chaos where you got we like where chaos. you have three group of five champions who are ranked in the top twenty five. Okay, now now I'm trying to see your point a little bit because it's like okay. Like Michigan, you would need, Michigan, you would need your American Conference champion and your okay, let's go, Sun Belt right. let's champion go, let's to go, be let's go back undefeated. To the, let's and, go back to the Michigan Iowa thing. Iowa, if they would have been, they were the Big Ten Conference champion. Michigan is not. Michigan would have been one of the seven. Seven because they'd still be ranked. They'd be ranked high. higher. Yeah. Um. So it doesn't matter. So I guess what they're saying is it doesn't matter where. These conference champions are ranked. They'll just take they the four get, highest. So it could be, so let's a, say, in total chaos. If you've number got your, tw- number twenty Big Ten championship, number twenty-one Big Twelve championship, and inc- it's not inc- inconceivable an unranked ACC champion yeah. gets in. Yeah. But the thing is, but the, that the, would that would power require four, your group of five to have really really good years to knock one of them out. So I guess so. So then your point is valid. They're that, just not going to put it in writing to give an automatic bid, but it's it's pretty much there. Okay. So it's not in writing, but... Because so, your conference champion was most likely going to be ranked. So in. if UM, not ranked, goes in and plays a number one Florida State team in the AC title game and beats them, yeah, but, you know, we all expected Georgia to beat Alabama in the AC title game, but Alabama won and then created chaos, yeah, which is what we wanted. But you would still need two group of five conference champions to be ranked in order to knock off that champion from their automatic bid. All right, I'm going cross-eyed. <laughs> but, 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 but again, it'll create quite the conversation. But again, I go back to, I think they need to do something because I think that adding, because you're, you're, now mind you, you're adding conference championship. Mind you, this is what's done in the FCS level. Yeah. They play all these, you know, Michigan went fifteen and zero. Was the first Big Ten team to go fifteen and zero. Um, um, but they can't have these kids playing sixteen, seventeen games like they're NFL. Come on, so that either they have to remove a game from the regular season or remove the conference championship. I don't think they're going to remove the conference championship. It's a money grab for the conferences. Another money grab. And when I we haven't even gotten to NIL and transfers and transfer portals and what a mess that is. And that needs to be regulated. So, who were the conference champions last year? We had Michigan. SEC was Alabama, mm-hmm. which was ranked four. ACC was Florida State, which was five. Yeah. Big Ten was Michigan, which was ranked one. Big Twelve was Washington. Which finished two, right? And then your next group, your next highest group of five, was Liberty. Liberty, yeah, at twenty three. And so that person, that that twenty third ranked team, would get into yes the twelve team playoff and host a play. I, I believe host because they would rank. I mean, to go back to that, they would rank. See, so so even if uh, who was Louisville, even if Louisville would have. Would have beat FSU, Louisville at uh, at fifteen, even ranked at fifteen. The group of five champion is still below them, so they're still in. 
Right. On the Torah team, the four highest ranked convert will be seated one through four. The four highest ranked. So it could be... Yeah, so 15 Louisville would have been ranked so what four. If it, so I'm saying, what if an unranked six and six team from yep. w- Windsor Conference... Yep. Then they get one of the top four ranked. Get out. <laughs> and they get a buy. No, no. <laughs> this is all in theory. This has to be played out. We've gone off the deep end here. We're sorry, folks. Uh, because there's nothing else to talk about. If you want chaos, just root for the group of five to all have their champion go undefeated. And my goodness. (laughs) Anyhow. All right, we've gone off the deep end. We really need miss football. We need March Madness to start. We need something because I don't know who won Atlanta yesterday. Sorry, Carly. I don't don't know who won the NASCAR race yesterday. Uh, It was a good day, 2500, though. Oh, I started watching the F1 series on Netflix. How is that? It's it's good. Everybody tells me that, but I have no time to watch. It's pretty good. I haven't gotten to any new shows. I really haven't. I, mean, I have my shows that I'm watching, and that's it. Anyhow. All right. Let's finish this up because we're pushing up against it. Uh, listen to the Lord. Continue your journey. Be steadfast in your time of prayer. Be persistent in your times of prayer because that's the only opportunity we have to listen to God's beloved Son. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.